Right, so tonight we're going to finish our series that we've been doing, looking at a particular book of the Bible. Do you remember what book we've been in? First Peter, yes, good. Y'all have good memories, y'all are paying attention. This is good. So we're going to finish our series uh, tonight, and uh, it's been interesting to kind of go through this book. I told y'all at the beginning I hadn't spent a whole lot of time reading and studying through First Peter. Um, a lot of people kind of avoid First Peter, and it's kind of tucked in the back of the New Testament, and it's just not one that people often turn to. And so uh, that was true for my life. I would not turned to First Peter that often, and I certainly had not spent a whole lot of time studying it. And so it's been really kind of in- interesting to me to dig into it, and God has spoke to me in some pretty clear ways through this uh, series. I'll tell you that this letter uh, written by Peter really surprised me. One thing that surprised me was every week I would open up to the text for today, um, for the particular Sunday or Monday, and everything, every time I looked at it, there was a one common theme that was in almost every single week, and it was the theme of suffering. And over and over and over again, Peter talks about suffering. And I did not expect that to be the case. Um, I did not think that that would be kind of the number one theme in the book of First Peter. But as we learned, um, as we talked about early on when Dr. Reese was here and then Christina and myself, we all have pointed out that the people who Peter was writing to were people who were suffering. And they were going through hard times. So like it makes more sense that he would talk about suffering a lot because the people he was writing this letter to were suffering. These were people who were kind of marginalized in society, like the dominant society kind of had pushed them to the side. They were misunderstood. They were mistreated. And many of these early Christians were were economically poor. They just didn't have a lot of resources and money. And they were struggling to get by each and every day. And so Peter wrote them this letter, which is really, I think, a letter of strategy, kind of helping them figure out how to make it in the world. Like, how are you going to make it out there in this harsh world? How are you going to stay faithful to Jesus? How are you going to stay faithful to God in the midst of this really harsh and difficult world that we live in? And we live in a harsh and difficult world today, right? And so this letter felt kind of current for me because we need help navigating how we stay faithful to God in the midst of all the hard stuff that we face and that you all face each and every day. And so for these people Peter was writing to, they faced um, they faced a lot. They faced uh, mistreatment by others, economic struggles. They grieved the loss of people that they loved. Peter wanted them to know that in spite of all those hardships, that God had not abandoned them, that God loved them, that God was there for them, that they could make it, that they could survive, that they could get by in this world and even hopefully find some peace and joy in the midst of the hard stuff. And, you know, it's easy sometimes for us to think like if things are going really bad in our life, I've heard a lot of people, and I've felt like this before too, that maybe like God's not happy with me, or maybe God's not even real, you know? Like where is God in the midst of all this hard stuff? Why is God letting me go through all this difficulty? And Peter wanted them to know like, no, God is there, and God loves you. And so a lot of this is a letter to try to encourage these folks. I want to read just the opening verse of chapter 5. This is the last chapter in Peter. And this is kind of as he's beginning kind of some of his last kind of things that he's going to say in his letter. And I just want to focus on one sentence, all right? And so it's uh, really short, but there's a couple of things that I want to point out. So he says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder 
and a witness of Christ's sufferings. Now, as I've looked at this letter and thought about it, I, I found it kind of interesting that Peter identifies himself as a witness to Christ's sufferings. Peter talks about Christ's sufferings more than anyone else in the New Testament. He doesn't talk about the death of Jesus that much. He doesn't talk about the resurrection that much. He talks about the sufferings of Jesus over and over again. And I thought it was interesting that he refers to himself. He says, I appeal to you as a witness of Christ's sufferings. He didn't say, I appeal to you as a witness of the resurrected Jesus, which I think could be a good thing to say. If someone's going through a hard time, I could see someone making the argument like, and saying like, hey, I've seen the resurrected Jesus. Like, trust me on this. Y'all are going through a hard time, but I know that Christ rose from the dead and new life is possible for you if you're going through a hard time because I saw a dead person raised to new life, right? That would be hopeful to hear, right? I've said things like that before, you know, that like Jesus rose from the dead so you can rise too, right? That's encouraging. But that's not what Peter said. He didn't say, I've witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. He said, I saw the sufferings of Jesus. Now, if you remember the, the series we did on Jesus' last week, you may remember that when Jesus went to the cross, none of the, like Peter wasn't there because Peter got scared and he could not follow Jesus all the way to the cross. However, Peter did see um, sometimes, he did see Jesus suffer. He didn't see those kind of last moments um, of Jesus' suffering, but he did see some of Jesus' suffering. Peter was there when Jesus' life was threatened. Um, Peter was there when Jesus' family rejected him on multiple occasions. Peter was there with Jesus when he wept over the loss of his friend Lazarus. Peter was there when the authorities were making fun of Jesus and mocking Jesus and calling him a liar. Peter was there in Jesus' final week when they were hiding out from the authorities, probably nervous about what was going to happen. Peter was there in the garden in those last moments um, on Thursday, right before Jesus was arrested. He was there in the garden when Jesus was so stressed out that he sweat drops of blood. Peter was there when Jesus was arrested and bound by chains. Peter followed close behind as the guards took him away. Peter saw the sufferings of Jesus. He saw the loneliness and the grief and the betrayal and the abuse and the stress and rejection and abandonment. Peter saw so much suffering that Jesus went through. So my question that I think about is like, why did Peter tell these young Christians that he was a witness of Christ's sufferings? Why did he talk about suffering so much? Why didn't he talk about the resurrection more? Why didn't he talk about the power of Jesus more? Well, as I've thought about this passage, I, I've kind of connected it in many ways to some of my own personal journey, and I want to share something personal with you that hopefully can help illuminate perhaps uh, what's going on here in Peter's letter. Last August, um, a little less than a year ago, uh, my wife and I woke up one morning to really bad news. Has that happened to you all that you wake up in the morning? And, and, and this has happened to me a few times lately, and it's gotten to the point where like, I'm almost nervous to look at my phone in the morning when I wake up because I'm worried kind of what messages I'll have on there from what's happened throughout the night. Um, but this morning I woke up to some really bad news, and many of you all know this, what's happened um, in my life last year, but we woke up to the story that this 18-month-old baby boy named Chosen had passed away and was found unresponsive in a home over off Georgetown Road. And Chosen is a very unique name. 
Um, the spelling is very unique for the way uh, that it's spelled. And we knew right away um, with the age and everything that this was um, our baby boy, our first foster son, our first child who was with us for four and a half months and had been reunited with his mom. And we kind of lost touch with him and we weren't sure what was going on, um, but we were worried about him. And this is obviously like the worst news you could receive that, that um, someone had passed away. And so through that experience, um, I've learned a lot, um, maybe a little bit actually, I still have a lot more to learn about grief and about loss and about losing people we love and about suffering. And I, I still am heartbroken. Um, I was, and I still am not as much, but I was furious and just angry that this would happen. You know, that we live in a society where 18-month-old babies can die due to neglect. I was lonely. I was feeling just a, a lot of really hard stuff. And, and in many ways, it's all still with me even tonight. You know, I, I know about Jesus' resurrection. Like, I know about hope. For new life, I believe that this world is not the, the end. I believe in eternity. I believe in heaven. I, I do believe in these things. But when you're going through something like losing your child or losing someone you love, knowing those things doesn't take the pain away. Like, it's still there. And well-meaning Christians, and I mean like well-meaning. These were people that, that love me, actually, and know me. But well-meaning Christians tried to encourage me and say things to kind of lift me up, you know, and, and, and frankly, uh, most of it kind of did not hit the spot. <laughs> like, it just didn't lift my spirit or meet me where I was at. You know, for me, like, knowing that chosen will be raised to new life is important, but it doesn't take away the pain and loss that I feel inside. And many of y'all probably relate to that if you've lost people you love. The thing that has encouraged me the most, actually, as I've walked this hard road of suffering this past year, is knowing that Jesus is walking with me through the midst of my suffering. It's not been that Jesus can take away the pain. It's because Jesus is with me in the midst of the pain. You know, I'll tell you, it's not even the power of God that's encouraged me. It's really the vulnerability and the suffering of God that has encouraged me the most, knowing that Jesus suffered and knowing that he is suffering with me through the hard things that I go through. And this is really how I read 1 Peter. You know, I think the Apostle Peter had a pretty good understanding of suffering and what is needed for people when they have their backs against the wall or they feel like they're going through really hard times. Peter wanted them to know that they were not alone in their pain that Jesus suffered with them, that he was with them as they walked the difficult paths that they walked. And I believe that's why Peter said, I am a witness of Christ's sufferings because Jesus went through it too. He's been there before and he knows what it's like and he's with us as we go through hard times. You know, one more thing that encouraged me um, as I've gone through some, some hard stuff is, is not just knowing that Jesus is with me, but also knowing that other people are with me in my struggle. There's been a lot of people who have told me just very simply, they said, John, I love you, and I see that you're hurting, and I'm with you in this. They haven't tried to say it's going to be okay. They haven't tried to say it's all going to be better one day, or you're going to get another child one day. But they just said, John, I love you, and I see that you're hurting, and I'm with you. And if you need anything, I'm here. 
Or they just came over and they said, hey, I'm here. I'm just going to sit with you in the midst of what you're going through. And honestly, it just felt so good to just to know that people saw that I was struggling and that I'm not alone. If you've ever lost someone you love, you probably can connect with this. But for me, one of the hardest parts of grief is the loneliness that I feel in the midst of it. Because meant like you can't just stop life and stop living. Like you have to go to work. You have to show up to things. You have family to take care of. You've got friends. You've got responsibilities. And you have to keep living your life. But you're carrying this pain and this loss with you everywhere you go. Um, and most people have no idea that you're carrying it. And so it's hard sometimes to feel like you have people in your life that care because they don't know what you're feeling. And you don't want to keep bringing it up all the time. Because, frankly, a lot of people don't want to hear all that all the time. You know, and before losing Chosen, I didn't understand this very well. You know, if I had a friend who lost someone they loved, um, I was often reluctant to bring that person up to them. Um, or I'd be afraid to ask, how are you today? Because I was worried I would upset them or, or remind them of the hard thing or the loss that they experienced. And, and I was afraid to even, like, mention the name of the person, you know, that they lost. But what I've learned and, and what I didn't realize is, like, that doesn't make a lot of sense because when you lose someone you love, you carry them with you always. And, like, there, really, honestly, in the past year, there's not been many days go by that I don't think about Chosen. He's on my mind constantly. He's car I carry him in my spirit and my body with me. And so I've learned that, like, we, we, we're, we have these folks with us all the time. So this past year, like, I've just learned that, that what happens is when people fail to mention the names of people we've lost or ask us how we're doing, it just makes us feel more lonely in our grief and like people don't see us and people don't know what we're facing and the suffering and whatever we're going through. I'll tell you when people share memories of Chosen or ask me about him, it actually brings me more joy. It doesn't make me more sad. It brings me more joy because I feel seen and I feel less alone. And as I've thought about this passage, like Peter keeps bringing up their suffering over and over and over again. And I think one reason Peter might be doing that is because he wants them to know, I see you. I know you're struggling. I see your suffering. I see your pain. And, and it's okay. I'm there. I'm with you. I know what you're going through. And he also communicated to them, I'm committed to walking with you through it. He took the time to write them this letter. He cared about them. He was seeking to be with them in the midst of their struggle. So not only was Jesus with these folks, but Peter was telling them, I am with you too. And then he goes on to say at the end of chapter 5, he says, and so many other Christians are going through similar things as you are, trying to remind them that you're not even the only ones facing this. Other people are going through this stuff as well. You are not alone. I want to put that verse back on the screen, and I want to highlight one more part of it. He says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's suffering. I want to focus on him saying, I am one of your fellow elders. I love that he refers to himself that way. I mean, Peter is speaking to a group of elders, and when he says elders, it's probably not necessarily like a position within the church. He's talking about the older, kind of more mature folks in the group who have been through a lot and are kind of the ones who have the wisdom and the guidance to offer to people. And, and he says to them, I am one of you. Now, he doesn't hold up any special authority or status, but he says, hey, I'm your friend. I'm your fellow. I am one of you. If anybody could claim special authority within the early church, it would be Peter. 
more so than Paul even. Because Peter was like Jesus, you could argue he was Jesus' best friend. Like Peter was there through everything. Peter was part of this inner circle that Jesus would often take off by themselves with Jesus and these three guys, Peter, James, and John. Peter, Jesus told Peter that you are the rock I'm going to build the church upon, right? He, he tasked Peter as like the, the shepherd who was going to lead the early Christians. Peter could have come and said, hey, y'all, I appeal to you as Jesus' closest friend, part of his inner circle. I am the rock. I am the leader of the church, so do what I say, right? He could have done that. But Peter didn't do that. He said, I appeal to you as a fellow elder. I'm one of you. I'm one of your people. I'm with you. In chapter 4, Peter refers to these Christians as dear friends. I love that Peter communicates that solidarity and that friendship. And so to people who are suffering, Peter tells them simply that Jesus is with you. He suffered too. And I'm also with you. And really through Peter's kindness and through the wisdom and, and the fact he even wrote them a letter, that communicated to these folks that Christ was with them. He ultimately became Christ's presence to these suffering Christians. And I think it helped sustain them in the hard journey that they were walking because they felt less alone knowing that Peter had their back, that other Christians had their back, and that Jesus had their back. You know, I, I know that some of you in this room are, are walking through a hard things right now, and you're walking hard roads. I know some of you have lost loved ones, and, and you're holding that grief, and you've been carrying it with you maybe for for months and years, and you'll continue to carry it into the future. I know some of you all are dealing with fear and anxiety and health issues. Some of y'all are dealing with crisis and loss. Some of y'all are going through financial hardships and challenges, and they may seem so big and like you can't get past it. Peter's letter, I think, simply reminds us that we are not alone in our struggles. We're not alone in our suffering, that Jesus is walking with us. And I hope that you all know, too, that we are with you. Your church family is with you. These folks in this room, um, I hope, are, are with you in what you're facing. Um, I can speak for myself as a fellow traveler on this journey that I am with you. And I can say that, that Rick is with you and Christina in the back and your other leaders and pastors here at this church are with you in your journey. And so if you need something, if you want to talk through something, just know that we are here. Um, we need Jesus in our lives, but we also need each other. You know, sometimes we say, oh, Jesus is all I need, and that sounds great, you know, but ultimately, like, we, we experience Jesus through us, you know. That's why we're called the body of Christ, right? We can literally be the, the hands and arms of Jesus as we hug one another, as we reach out to one another and encourage one another. And so I think to all of us, even if we're not suffering, Peter reminds us that we need to support each other. A few weeks ago, Christina preached on 1 Peter, and she pointed out a passage that says, above all, love one another deeply. So he's saying, everything is going on in life, above all else, the most important part is that you all love one another deeply. I heard someone describe loving one another deeply as loving with every muscle strained. It's like a, a a fierce kind of love, you know, a love that's like actually very intentional and makes sacrifice and holds on tightly to one another. And that's what we need more of in our life, holding on to each other through challenges and pain and uncertainty. Do you all know people among us who are suffering? 
And if you do, if you know people in our church or in your life who are going through hard times, it can be so easy just to lose track of them and not to think about them and not to reach out, even though we know they're going through hard times. But you never know, just a text message or a simple hug or a reminder, say, just telling someone, I see you, I know you're going through this. Um, if you know, like, a, a important date's coming up when, when someone who someone loved, like, maybe it's the anniversary of their death or their birthday, like, bringing them up and saying, hey, like, I'm thinking about you today because I know this day is important. When was the last time you told these folks that you love them? When was the last time you told them that you see their pain? Have you told them that you're with them? When was the last time you just checked in and said, how, hey, how are you feeling today? These kinds of things are just small, but they can make a huge difference. Um, I've had somebody that I don't even, I hadn't even seen this person face to face and probably since before the, maybe before the pandemic. And this person reached out to me because she's been through a lot herself. And she reached out to me and said, hey, I don't need you to respond to me, but I'm just going to check in with you and send you a message every now and then. And just open up the door. If you want to talk, just reach out. You know, and so she's been doing that on a regular basis. Hey, I'm just, I'm thinking about you today, checking in. Let me know if you need to talk. I know you all are going through a lot. And, and it's just meant so much to me. It's the smallest thing, but it's really helped sustain me in my journey. We have the opportunity to truly be Christ's presence for one another. Um, by the way, we show up for each other in the midst of hardship and pain. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.